Hey guys, and welcome to a brand new episode of Nerds Talk Movies. My name is Taylor, and I'm going to be your host for today. Joining me for this very special episode of Nerds Talk Movies, it is none other than Drew Garrison. Drew, I just want to tell you, you're not on a TV show. Are you sure about that? Like, we ha- we have microphones in front of us. I'm pretty sure I see a picture of you on, like, a screen. It's like, are you sure we're not on a show? I wouldn't lie to you. Hmm. But how are you doing today, man? Ah, uh, almost got hit by, like, a falling piece of plane debris, but otherwise, you know, fine. <laughs> I, I haven't seen this movie in a long time. And I was wondering, like, what was the... Because uh, we're talking about Truman Show today, people. You you click the title. You You know the deal. You know what we're doing. But I was wondering, like, man, I haven't seen this movie in so long. What triggers Truman's, like, sudden realization? Because he always kind of had a weird underlying suspicion that something was off about his life. What was the Kickstarter? I forgot all about just a piece of equipment flying off the helicopter. Yeah, it was, it's like, I don't think it's a helicopter, it's the dome. But, uh, yeah, it's crazy to, uh... Yeah, it's it, it's like crazy to think about, but it's like it's also like you wouldn't initially think like you're on a television show like that. It's kind of it's kind of crazy that uh, it's like it's it's not his first tip off, but at the same time, you it wouldn't be yours either. So, yeah, we're about to get into general thoughts already here because this is a movie we had the our Back to the Future episode a few weeks ago. And I made a big deal, and you did too, being like, "Hey, this is a classic." Yeah, it, it's like it's a real it's a real classic. I honestly think like as time has gone by, it's way more relevant than we believe. It's crazy. Well, not just that, but it, it's a classic. Like I'm talking about, like Back to the Future. But there's not a whole lot to get into. But with Truman Show, it's a thing where yeah, it's a classic in a different way. And there's but a man, lot to get into. All the stuff that we love about like getting into the weeds of movies and all the finer details and the it joking about certain things in Hollywood and certain other aspects. Like this movie is primed for us to get into like an hour and a half episode. <laughs> it just is. Oh man. Like I wanna keep us from I wanna keep us from going that long because I know like it's probably gonna be longer knowing us. But at the same time, I I can't stop myself from getting into the details that I love about it. So, Taylor, you want to get started? Yeah, let's get started here, man. Let's get started with our synopsis. Here's a synopsis for The Truman Show, courtesy of IMDb. Quote, an insurance salesman. Salesman? Is that what I said? He does become a salesman. But, uh, (laughs) quote, an insurance salesman discovers his whole life is actually a reality TV show, and the quote. And here are some of the main cast for the film, along with director and writer credits. Again, this is coming from IMDb. It was directed by Peter Weir. It was written by Andrew Nichol. It stars Jim Carrey as Truman Burbank, Ed Harris as Kristoff, Laura Linney as Meryl Burbank slash Hannah Gill, Noah Emmerich as Marlon slash Lewis Coltrane, and Natasha McElyon as McEllen, I think is how you're supposed to pronounce it. I can't pronounce names, so, you know, I'm an idiot. Uh, As Lauren Garland slash Sylvia. Now, Drew, who's going to be your highlighted castmate here? Well, it has to be those hundreds of thousands of people that make up Truman's entire false reality, <laughs> of course. Yeah, the all the people that uh, Christoph says is like the population of a small country. Those people, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's one hell of a show to keep up with. For 20 years. 30 years. Oh, yeah, 30 years. 30 years. Uh, yeah, it was 30 years. Uh, but it's like, God da- it's like, God dang. <laughs> That's, like, an unbelievable amount of people. That's one of the nitpicks people have. Like, how do they keep these guys employed? It's like, it's literally a small little dome they control. It's like, they get free electricity and stuff. It's like, honestly, I can see it. 
It's like, I don't think it would ever happen because the tax dollars would be through the roof. I can see it. But who you got, like, for the movie itself? Yeah, for the movie itself, uh, I guess I want to say, like, the, uh, the set designer, Thomas Minton and Odin Oldenburg, because the sets are, like, kind of perfect for the movie. It's just um, it's just amazing, like how it, the city can look real and fake at the same time. Yeah, it has this weird nineteen fifties aesthetic combined with some nineties aesthetics as well, because you have a lot of the clothing being like very nineteen fifties focused, but then a lot of stuff being promoted to sell from the current date, which was nineteen ninety eight. And then cars that are more modern. Mm-hmm. So it's this weird blend that I think really fits with what this movie is. Yeah, it makes it makes it feel like that the um that this world really is like real and fake at the same time. Like you're really like immediately put into the perspective. Like, okay, yeah, it's true. None of this is actually real. For me, though, like I don't think you're wrong, but for me, I think the main thing that stands out when I finished watching this movie every fucking time is the music. It is. It does have good music. Specifically whenever Truman is on the boat and they think he's dead. Is that the best you got? Yeah. Well, not just that, but also like after he gives him everything he has and he still survives it. And it's this triumphant music by Philip Glass that just plays like he's, Truman's lived through it. He survived the god of this reality's wrath, and he's going to escape this place. And it's just so satisfying for the viewer, because you're like, fuck yeah, Truman, get the hell out of here. It's, it's one of the best pieces of music to fit with a scene that I've heard. 100% agree. That was like some grand triumph music, especially as they kept pushing his uh, fear of the ocean and everything and like he overcame he overcame that that's been their main control method and then it's and then it's like he keeps overcoming everything that they throw at him he's able to trick them it's just it's so good it really is and again i think it's a thing where it's not just the music itself it's the scene it's it's both things blending together perfectly to where it just creates to me an iconic scene um, we'll get into the ending here in a few minutes, most likely, but we got to get into, uh, our prelude here. So we are on our cover everything on our watch list 2024 tour, and we've had a really interesting time so far. Tristan Benz and I covered Dune 1984, which, yeah, um, th- yeah, th- that episode does exist. Uh, Drew and I... <laughs> Did a retrospective on Back to the Future. We already talked about that. It was a yep, yep. bona fide banger that still holds up today as a masterclass of entertainment. As does Avatar The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. Tristan and Drew just covered the show's first season last week on the podcast. So next up on the tour, as we've been talking about already, we have The Truman Show. A movie that proves that Jim Carrey's acting ability is so much more than pressing his ass against someone's window in Ace Ventura, or whatever the hell he was doing in Batman Forever. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> He's honestly a good Riddler, would have been a better Joker, but it wasn't his fault. They, they told him to ham it up, he gave them the ham. He gave them the whole pig. I kind of have a hot take here. Just going to throw it out there. I'm going to throw the grenade out there because we're not going to really get into it. So there's no consequences. <laughs> I do think Jim Carrey's Riddler is better than Paul Dano's. Who? Batman. Like, yes. The Riddler from the Batman's the worst part of the movie, and I think he drags the movie down. That's all I'm saying. All right. Uh, to clarify. Like, gasp. Like, like French, gra- French gasp, American gasp, uh, English gasp. <laughs> I don't even want to get into it because it's going to be in 45 minutes. No, 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 no. Let, let let let's save that when we actually go over the Batman. I, have we gone over the Batman? We have in a spoiler talk. 
and okay, I was far uh, then, more lenient on it. Then Batman Forever, then either the Batman or Batman Forever retrospective. That's it. Putting it in there. We got to talk about the Truman Show because we're going to be on. Put that. a pin in it. Well, not the Truman Show, but talk about how Paul Dano's Riddler is absolutely horrible, and even <laughs> Jim Carrey's Riddler, who I don't really care for, is a better version of the Riddler. But that's for another day. Uh, getting back to his prelude, to clarify, Jim Carrey is a legendary comedic actor, and I'm not taking anything away from that. Plus, we would also see Carrey thrive in other dramatic roles, such as Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind and the number 23. Actually, scratch that last one. Uh, the less we say about the number 23, the better. Uh, the <laughs> point is, The Truman Show spotlighted just how freaking good Jim Carrey is as an actor. Mm-hmm. It had a very interesting premise, a great supporting cast, headlined by Ed Harris and Laura Linney, and a powerful ending that, personally, I cannot wait to get into. As, and, as, as you can probably already tell, we are kind of dying to get into it ourselves. Uh, Drew, what were your thoughts on The Truman Show going in? Do you have any interesting tidbits to share yourself? And what are your general thoughts on this movie after rewatching it for this retrospective? I wish I could say I had a big story behind the, my um, fi- finding of The Truman Show, but not really. It was just on TV, uh, <laughs> and I watched it as a teenager. So when I first went into it, I was like, oh, a Jim Carrey movie. This is going to be this is going to be hilarious. I went out of it. Oh, wow. That was kind of am I on television uh, questioning my reality? Already questioning reality as a teenager? Oh, no. Yeah. So point in combination that came by. But but yeah, um, that was my first walkthrough with the Truman Show coming back to it. Knowing what I'm going to be getting into, it's still a super gut punch. Especially when, now that I'm a critical thinker of my movies, it's like, oh, oh, so much I want to get into. But the biggest thing I would have to say is, uh, Christoph, you are one sick son of a bitch. Not only that, but I find the character to be, and I think this is Ed Harris's ability. While he's a horrible person, need to say that. Very like this, he creates a ter- he creates a fear that uh, Truman has the entirety of his life of water. He th- he creates this memory for him saying his father got killed and it was he blames himself for it. Thought it was his fault. Yeah, he does all that horrible guy. But I can't find myself to hate him. Oh, no, I hate him. Because I find the character too interesting. It's in the same way that I can't hate Thanos. The character's just too... Or Dutch Vanderlyn for Red Dead Redemption 2 for video game players. (laughs) Dutch is a horrible person. But at the same time, he's so interesting with the character. I'm like, fuck, man. I I, I would love to see more content with you. And the same thing with Kristoff where he's talking to Truman at the end and I'm just like... I see what they're going for here, and I think they're fucking nailing it. Yeah, I'm of a different opinion because it's like it's like I have the same feelings. He's interesting. I would love to see more of him. I still hate him. I want to see him get hit by that freaking tra- by the freaking traffic he always blocked Truman with. But it's like I have, it's like he he's just one sick twisted ma- sick twisted man, and you know he believes every word he's telling to Truman. We'll get we'll get into it in a bit though, but uh, just to keep this a little, we gotta keep it a little tidy here, Drew, because this movie is a lot, and we're gonna have to make sure we don't go two hours. Understood. Uh, so, like I'm just gonna go through my favorite parts because otherwise, uh, you're not you're never gonna get me to shut up. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's all three of us really. To be honest <laughs> with you, but as for I, I agree with you. By the way, I, I think this movie is another iconic film. I think this is Jim Carrey's best performance. When I watched it for the first time, I honestly didn't really think anything of it. I thought it was a good movie. But throughout my life, it's just one of those things that you guys listening and Drew, you yourself, have you ever just watched a movie? You didn't really think a whole lot from it, but there was a scene or its ending, just something about it that just stuck with you. 
And you would always just go like, man, that was a really cool moment or that was a great moment. Yeah. That's what this movie's ending was to me. It's one of those things I was like, man, that was a really good movie. But I never will forget that ending. Um, I'm not sure that if this is Jim Carrey's best film overall, though. But I will say, I feel pretty confident in saying it's his best performance. It's got a great premise. I think it's got great comedy. And Jim Carrey gets to do both in this movie. <laughs> be dramatic and be very comedic. I think Laura Lenny's great in this movie. I think Ed Harris is great in this movie. I think Noah Emmerich is the really underrated MVP of it. Um, mm-hmm. And if I had to complain about anything, it would be the lack of resolution with his character. But that's about it. Um, this is just a fantastic movie from top to bottom, and I cannot wait to get into it in more depth. Drew, what do you want to get into here? You know what? Let's get into the world that Truman inhabits, because that opening really, really tells you everything you need to know about going into this movie. I like how the world feels so constructed and everything. The subliminal messages that you get throughout throughout everything. It's like not just like, oh, the thing that's in front of you where it talks about uh, how airplane equipment fell from the sky and that explains the light. But also, how, but also, like, you see Truman's reactions to different things, even though he has, like, dreams that are the complete opposite. It's like, it's like they say, like, oh, you want to go for a flight? It's like Truman's immediately like, nope, but he does want to go explore. And it's like all those ingrained responses as you slowly figure out when you watch the movie is just, oh, it's just peak. I love the, I love the opening scene because it really does um, show you how they've been keeping Truman in the dark for so long yeah and it's done out of this way to as the thing that i find so interesting and this is where i think we're gonna get into talking about Kristoff as a character why i find Kristoff so compelling as a villain is because i believe what he's saying i don't think he's doing this out of ratings and how to uh we just want to get all this money from sponsorships even though all that stuff is really funny Laura Lenny fucking kills it in those ads. Yeah. <laughs> in she fucking kills it. And I can't, I will get into that. But I believe Kristoff when he's talking about, like, no, the world outside of what I've created for you. That's a place you don't want to live in. I've created something safe for you. Just stay here. And I, he's delusional, but I believe it. And that's what I think makes him so compelling. Yeah, but also in but but also it's like in a way he doesn't actually you know he doesn't actually care for Truman. It's like when uh they thought like when they thought uh his crew thought he was going too far and that oh they're gonna kill him and everything. It's like he's like he was born on the he was born on the show. I disagree. I think in his sick twisted way he does care for Truman. And it's in that scene where Truman's sleeping. And it's this weird, like, parental thing going on there. The parent who's never truly seen his kid. I think he cares. And it's the moment where Truman's going, like, is that all you got? And he starts doing the drunken sailor bit. He just pisses Kristoff off uh, to the point to where he's like, you know what? We're going to give him everything that he can handle. Let's see if he can. See, my See, my take is that his care isn't the isn't the uh it's you're right that he does care for truman but he cares for him as his uh project as a writer myself it's like it's when that project that project you put your heart and soul into is there but it's always controlled by you in some way truman is his project and now it's escaping him there's nothing he can do there's nothing he can do to stop it um leaving except possibly kill it it's like we it's like uh it's like how um I don't remember her name, but the creator of Mary Poppins, uh she cried in the theater when Mary Poppins was first created because it was no longer in her control and she was against it for some time. It's like that's what I think is the actual uh the actual feelings going through uh Christoph's mind and everything. But I I do like that it's up to interpretation. Uh, but yeah, I think the world Kristoff has created here for Truman 
is this weird I don't know really what to call it. <laughs> it, it is a truly it, it's hypocritical. That's the best way I could put it. Because it's what he calls safe. In the very beginning of the movie you have Marlin going like, No, nothing's fake here. It's just all controlled. And that one line to me is perfect. Mm-hmm. It sets up everything because they don't see that by it being controlled, it makes it fake. They don't yeah. understand why Truman wants to leave. They're like, it's a safe place. Like this is where you should want to be. You don't want to doesn't want to be in the real world. It's horrible. But you're not giving him actual agency to make decisions. Yeah, well, Marlin is one of the people who, ironically, is drinking the Kool Aid because, like Truman, he he was one of the child actors that was forced to grow up in the in the dome. He knows about the outside world, but he does. But he's never really been a part of it, and he's been and they all the uh, craziness that he's been brainwashed into. It's um, it's implied that that's the reason why he became a drunkard because he knows the truth. He can never, he never feels like he can escape, and because of that, neither can neither can Truman. Like literally, Truman is the world he he linchpins on. He cannot leap. It's like if Truman leaves, the world ends. His world ends, and if Marlin, if Marlin world ends, he has to go out with, like Truman, but he does not want to because that's he doesn't know anything else. But he's also extremely guilty that he's lying to who is essentially really is his best friend. Yeah, that's why Marlin's my favorite character. It's like this guy has so many layers of trauma and stuff that he has to go through. It's like, god dang. Yeah, I I agree with Marlon being a really good character. The only issue I have with him as a character is I'm fine with the lack of resolution we get at the ending, which we'll eventually get to the ending proper and go through everything there. But the issue I have with Marlon is that we don't get a whole lot after like he goes, oh, he's gone. Like He's with the search party. But for the relationship him and Truman had, I felt like we needed a scene with them or a scene where he goes against Kristoff or a scene where he fully commits with Kristoff. Instead, it feels like this weird thing to where he's just in the search party and then that's the last we ever see of him. I think it's because, like, an answer wouldn't help with where the movie was going. I feel like that's extra stuff you would put in side content if uh, The Truman Show ever got side content. But I don't think, like, his story and stuff needed a a resolution because at the end of the day, his resolution might affect, might might would have affected how Truman, if he would have gone out that door. And I think at the end, we shouldn't know how he feels about this. Honestly, he's practically about to be dragged out into the world because that dome is not going to be up for much longer now that Truman's gone, so... Like, that could be an interesting sequel if they ever did it. Yeah, I think there was a... I don't know how true this is, but uh, I was reading some stuff up before we recorded this. I was reading something about, like, there was a version of the script where Marlon would see Truman and let him go. I think something at least like that I would have been happy with. But he's the one character to where I was like, wish we had a little more. Then, just because, like you said, the vibe you get is he actually does care about Truman. And they were actually best friends. But the problem is, because his whole world is a lie, it creates this very interesting conflict that we never get to see explored because we got to get to the climax. So, if I had to talk about this movie's flaws... While I really love Marlon as a character, I feel like everything with him is actually a flaw of this movie. Because it's an interesting story that the movie doesn't feel interested in talking about or getting into. Because it's trying to get it under two hours. (laughs) When if we (laughs) add 20 minutes to this, I feel like we got a perfect movie here. Honestly, you you might be right. I like the movie as is. Of course, there are things I want to explore. But I also understand why they didn't explore it. Yeah, I, it's like I said. Just I, I feel like if we just added those twenty minutes, added some stuff to Marlin and Truman there, and baby, you guys still going? That's all I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> shout out, 
RIP to Carl Weathers. Uh, I want to talk about Meryl since we're talking about all these characters that manipulate Truman throughout the story, whether they were on screen or behind the scenes of the Truman show. Meryl's another character that I find very interesting and they could have explored a little bit more, but I really like the way the character's story ends in this movie. In in truth, like I, me personally, I was one of the, I was one of those, uh, People who who was like, yeah, um, she's kind of like one of the people who's the worst because unlike the others, she was brought in as an actress, knows what's happening, and is fully willing and is fully willing to it. She's like drink drank the Kool Aid so much, she calls it a freaking lifestyle. Meryl, to me, it's the thing where like Meryl, you both dislike her, and at the same time, you're like, man, you think about it though. That's a weird dynamic. You are fake married to this man. And you think of the implications of that. And then you also... It's it's kind of implied, at the very least, that she does not like Truman. Mm-hmm. So it's just this weird fucking dynamic between just not those two, but in the show. And I understand why fans of the show don't like Meryl. Because I think it comes across in the show <laughs> that she doesn't like him. And it's mm-hmm. a thing where it's, I don't know, man. It's a thing where I think it's done so well by Laura Linney and Jim Carrey. And the you really do get like, okay, she would be some, the first person to actually break mm-hmm. in this scenario. Even though as good as of an actress as she is, method acting and how long was, was she with Truman? Like 10, 15 years? Yeah. I, this would be the moment where she would break. Yeah, like, but but also it's because she doesn't know what else to do. This is think about it. This has been her like maybe her only role. Like she might have had a few other minor parts, but this is her only role. And what's she used for? She's used as product placement. Like that's it. She's used to advertise. <laughs> so her yeah. yeah. So her story is always like oh. Uh, how about we do? How about we just do this? And or look at this product and everything. That's the only thing that the people have forced her to go back on. She's literally, she's literally just um, the framing for different product. Yeah. Um, is there any other major? We can talk about his parents, I guess, real quick. Oh yeah, that was one of that's one of my favorite scenes because it also shows how much of a dick. How much of an absolute madman Kristoff is. Cause yep. You're talking about the dad coming back? The dad coming back. Literally reintroducing the father just to tear it away and make Truman feel like he's going crazy. Okay, so first off, we want to talk about the mom. Because I feel like the mom is... We got less to get into here. Yes. Really like what they did with the mom character. She really comes off to me as like this 1950s character too. Yeah, Kind of like how his wife does. But at the same time, talking about the dad, I fucking love not only the scene where he's the homeless man on the street and then the extras take him away that really furthers Truman's uh, suspicion. But then later, where he brings him back and like you said, Kristoff, what a, what a piece of shit for just bringing him back out, this emotional crutch. But I love it at the same time, because it's the Truman Show's jump the shark moment. Yeah, yeah. It's- he went too far. If Kristoff just kept the emotional talk with his best friend, and that's it, I think Truman would have bought it. And the, and the irony of it for me is that uh, I've honestly thought about how Kristoff could have done it where it's still a jump the shark, but it's like also like a better risk than just letting the dad show up and then be taken away right in front of him. Come on, man, that's that's idiotic. But uh, well, he's not a good writer. Like <laughs> what I love about the show too is uh, stuff moments where like uh, that guy interviewing him, he's like uh, Truman's father's been gone so long. How are you going to explain his twenty two year absence? Amnesia. Brilliant. 
it just shows like, oh yeah, so this artsy director who has this admittedly new, unique concept for a TV show that everybody watches, you're willing to blow smoke up his ass just because he's successful, when honestly, that's a horrible fucking idea for a storyline. I would have accepted, like, oh, it's, I'm your, uh, I'm your uncle who never made it. <laughs> Over amnesia. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, the, bringing back the dad is, like, I felt like was the moment where Truman's fear of the ocean broke. Like, it didn't break break, but it was, like, that's when Truman could finally start really overcoming it. Because then it's, like, he's questioning, was that, e was even that moment real? Yeah, and no longer, there's no longer, like, a death over his head, either. Yeah, it, it's, like, so... It's, like, so gosh dang harsh to see him go through. And like I said, I feel like if they just kept it to the conversation with Marlon, they probably would have had Truman back. Yeah. He probably would have been like, you know what, yeah, it's, just, it's I don't know what happened to me. I had an emotional episode, but they, they could have just moved on. But because he had to go that one dramatic step too far... That Truman figured it out, or he confirmed his suspicions that his life isn't real. Mm -hmm. Very well done. And the juxtaposition between that moment of Truman crying, and to me it's not crying because his dad's back, it's crying because he's now realized he was right. Yep. And then having, on the other side, the crew... Just applauding themselves, patting themselves on the back, like, oh, look how good we are. Not knowing that they just created the thing that will doom their show. Mm-hmm. It's like, that was it. Really? Like, that was it. Now it's time for the final season, and none of you even see the cancellation coming. Yeah, just brilliant fucking writing there. And it's, it's weird to say that, considering it's based on... It's like a weird meta thing here, in a way, because it's like brilliant writing... Of very shitty writing. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It, it's, it, I honestly, it's interesting. I kind of like it. And think about this, too. Like, we were talking about all the characters that manipulated Truman and all that. But talking about the world of Truman's... Uh, I forgot what was it called. It's called, like, Sea something? Sea Haven? Oh, yeah, Sea Haven. Yeah, the world of Sea Haven. It feels so reality show. And essentially, that's what the Truman Show is. It's a reality show. Yep. It's 1998. Like, that's when this movie came out. 1998. I don't think there was many, if any, reality shows at that time. This movie's very revolutionary. Yeah, this the movie is very re revolutionary and everything. But that's also one of the reasons why I'm like, it's weird how this movie became more relevant as time went on. I mean, the reality show craze was around was technically around the corner like i think not even five years later we started getting reality shows getting more popularity and then more and then social media where people literally tried to create their own realities and i'll add on to that drew i think this is this movie is very relevant today not only because of the way reality television blew up but also by the way that we see the consumers of the content Mm -hmm. how involved they were. And then we see Scully from Brooklyn Nine-Nine at the very end, right after that very emotional ending, going, all right, what else is on? Like That's how quick we are to be like, all right, I don't care about this anymore. Let's move on. It's those things, and it's also stuff like the advertisements, to where they're just fucking everywhere. Like, how many... You can't go anywhere on the internet without being bombarded with advertisements. So it does, it's very relevant today because this movie kind of predicted a lot <laughs> when it came to the way that entertainment's done today. And even, I'll go as far back as what I was talking about with the Kristoff interview, where the guy's just talking nonsense story-wise. It's a dumb fucking idea. And the interviewer's just like, you're brilliant. How many times do we see that in today's? media uh, too many well that's one of the things with the Truman Show that I think is like 
again, sh- uh, really, really does show like how um, we've been affected because again, the consumers are so are also dr- they've also drunk the Kool Aid. The only one who technically never had a choice of drinking the Kool Aid was Truman. But it's like then then you have um the then you have the one person who was trying to uh trying trying to get Truman out of it, Sylvia. And they and it's like literally the show puts her as a crazy person. She the best she can do is just be at her house watching Truman and like maybe send some small messages telling him his life is fake. And that's the best she can do and that's the best she can do because everyone else has blocked her. There's nothing. There's nothing else she can do. There's nothing else she can do. She's in like the worst situation to actually try and help him and let him be his own person. It's just so sad. It's just so sad. And what you mentioned with like the uh, the two guys at the end, it's like, yeah, that that was one of the things I wanted to talk about because it's like, oh yeah, the mo- it's like they were all so crazy and happy that Truman finally escaped his fake reality. The show is over. And then it's like, oh, and on to the next thing. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on ending this movie? Honestly, I know that for Tr- for Tristan and probably a bit you, you, you might want it a bit more to that resolution. I thought it was perfect. I think Truman overcoming his fear of the ocean, sneaking out in a very in a very strong way because it's a set, so it's not actually like that strong it's all meant to be taken apart anyway uh and to get to the boat that he was afraid of and use it as his way of escape that is honestly amazing to me i love how it's all coming together because truman has been trying to beat his fear of the ocean through every single method he can think of including closing his eyes and literally making his wife take the wheel while he punches it it's insane it's insane but it also like it it's so good to see him finally just be able to overcome it he's been slowly pushing this whole movie i love it yeah we didn't talk about that scene but i love that moment where uh truman gets in the car with uh meryl and it's just this it's time they basically just let jim carrey go Mm -hmm. it's the time in the movie where they're like hey We've asked you to be a bit more serious. Fuck that for this part. Be as wacky as you want, and it works. Let your um Jim Carreyisms flow. Yep, it's the one part in the movie where the director probably went, "Hey Jim, go with it, man. Yeah, anything you want to do, we we have nothing written. This <laughs> here's what here's the places that you are going." It, in you know the story itself, I'm pretty sure they were just on a fucking green screen the whole time. But <laughs> here's where you're going. Have fun. And boy, did he have fun. Oh man. But yeah, with all the, with all that um coming up to, and after literally being struck by lightning and still going, it's like God has struck him down, and his son has said, "Nah, man, you're not sending me back to my room." He made it to he made it to the end of the dome. Good God. Yeah, you mentioned that I might not have loved the lack of resolution here. The reason you brought this up is because Tristan and somewhat me both have issues with movies that don't really have that resolution. Tristan far more than myself. Um, and he was going to be on this episode. He didn't really have strong opinions about it, but I did want to ask him about the ending. And I forgot what he said. I don't, it didn't really hit with him because he wanted more resolution with Sylvia. Um, so I, I get that for me, I, this movie's ending hits completely. This is the best part of the movie to me. It's a thing I remember. It is one of the best movie endings of all time to me. And it's for the reasons that you were getting into. It's him overcoming that fear. It's them laying it on thick now with the comparisons of this god-like uh, figure and this mortal human and this weird like parental thing going on. They were laying it on very thick, but I think it needed to, and I think it lands. I mean, he throws 
everything at Truman to get him to turn back. He, it, it, what I love about it too is because you mentioned earlier that he doesn't care, like to a point he doesn't care about Truman. And while I, I mentioned like I disagreed, I think another reason I disagree is because it also it slowly escalates to that. At first it's, oh yeah, start up a storm, he'll turn back. It'll be fine. He's too scared. Like, I know him better than he knows himself because he thinks of him as his father, basically. He doesn't turn back because he's more committed than he thinks. Keeps going. It keeps escalating. And when he... I think he was going to let Truman go after the first time. But after Truman goes, like, is that all you got? And starts, you know, talking shit to him. That's where I think it just goes. All right, you know what? That's not all I had. Let's see if you could also survive this. Because you know what, son? If you're going to die, it's at least going to be one hell of an ending. (laughs) And again, that moment where he gets back up and the music and him sailing to the edge of the dome, there's something so fucking triumphant about that. It just hits, man. Then you get to him hitting the wall, him just breaking down because he's like, another fucking obstacle. How do I just get out? I just want to leave. Finds the staircase. We get the amazing scene between Ed Harris and Jim Carrey. First time they've ever interacted in this movie. First and only time they've ever interacted in this movie. And I read something on IMDb that they never interacted on set, which was a great decision. Mm-hmm. Really makes the... Great decision to do. Really makes it feel like they're talking to total strangers. Yep. Total strangers, but you get the feeling that Jim Carrey, that Truman, when he's talking to Kristoff, it's kind of like that, I know that we have a, there's some kind of connection there, that we've never talked, but there's a connection, and the same thing the other way around, but the thing is, is Truman doesn't care about Kristoff in that way. Because he's never known Kristoff. Kristoff to exactly. him is a full-on stranger, while to Kristoff, this is his ultimate project. Yep. It, it, it's a great ending, man. You got anything else to say about it? Uh, it, has my fa- it has one of my favorite lines. When, uh, when Kristoff is talking about how he knows Truman better than he knows himself, Truman responds, you never had a camera in my head. And I love that line. Yeah. It's... It feels so parental as well. Like, it's this weird, like, twisted parental connection where it's like, no, you never knew me. But, actually, he kind of (laughs) did. He was talking about how, because he watched everything about his life, he does know him, but he doesn't understand him. Yeah, but but it's more because he manipulated the things about his life. He doesn't know... True, he doesn't know actually know Truman. He knows what Truman wants, and he knows what he wants Truman to be. That's what makes Kristoff. Yeah. That's what Kristoff knows. But he doesn't know Truman. He doesn't know wh- why he feels the way he feels. He doesn't know what he. He doesn't know why he wants to leave. To him, all he knows is the person he's molded, not the person who grew up. The thing, though, about Kristoff that, again, makes him such a compelling villain is that he's delusional. Mm-hmm. Is that I believe what he's saying, he believes it himself, but he's still delusional about it. So it's a thing where he's talking about knowing Truman this whole time, and he's wanting to create this safe place for him to live. And I think he believes it. I think he wants to give Truman the best life. But the problem is... His version of a best life isn't a life. It's a fucking prison. The dude was going around and he just placed Merrill into his, literally fell on top of him. Not realizing that he had something organic playing out right in front of his face. Mm-hmm. With Sylvie. So. But it wasn't who he decided. It wasn't his decision. Yeah, so that, so she had to go. Plus, be, she had ulterior motives as well. So she had to go, and they had to retcon some things in there. And then when it didn't work out with Meryl, he goes, Oh no, we're going to bring in a new love interest for Truman. It's all going to work out. We're going to have our first conception on live television. Which, by the way, very creepy. 
Second, second of all, very unhinged. He didn't learn his lesson. It, it's it's funny because again, it goes back to that pretentious thing that he's just blowing smoke up his own ass. He knows how great of a creator he is, how brilliant of a director. Not realizing what you did in the first place was a terrible decision story wise. Mm-hmm. And he just wanted to repeat the same mistake. Like it's very funny. It's very dramatic at the same time, but. It's just, it, every time you watch it, you pick up on something else to me. That's yeah. why I think it makes this movie so good. Yeah. And also, to put this one last thing into example, it's like, literally, the guy was feeding lines to Truman's best friend for him to say. Because he knows what Truman's best friend should say to him. Yeah. It's like, it's not a, it's not a, um, it's not something that, um, I'm about to call him Meryl, and I know that's not the name. Marlon? Yeah, it's not what Marlin would say, would say to Truman. And it's not something that even the uh, child actor who's lived his whole life here would say. It's just what he wants him to say. And I honestly think, like, yeah, you could have gotten Truman if you had just left it there. But at the same time, I feel like that that was also, like, a double-edged sword because... I don't think Marlon liked that at all. He's already has a pro- ha- had a huge problem lying to Truman. Now it's like, oh, now I just had to do it all. Now I just had to literally be puppeteered by literally the man who's been practically um, determining my life as well as Truman's. I I just have a feeling like if it if it wasn't like Truman uh, seeing his dad, it would have been Marlon. Yeah. And my last thing about Jim Carrey's performance in this movie is he really knew whenever to ramp up the wackiness and when to get serious and play Truman. Because the scene where he's pretending to be the astronaut and Paul Giamatti and the other guy was getting concerned, like, oh no, he knows. And then he continues the astronaut bit and they all start laughing at him. And then he goes, that one's for free. That's when the audience picks up and goes, "Oh shit, no, he's he knows he's doing and he's something. playing he's with planning. him. Yeah, he's planning something out here. And what we get from there is this one last day of the Truman show where Truman ramps up on purpose all the wackiness. Because now it's not just him playing himself. It's not him being himself. It's him playing a role and he's going to ham it up. And Jim Carrey hammed up the hamminess. It was like him doing an impersonation of himself. And, like, flanderizing himself, even. It's it's perfect. Yeah. And that that's what I think makes this performance great for Jim Carrey, is because he knew when to get serious, he knew when to get hammy, and he knew, like, hey, this moment here, I have to not get wacky. I need to act like how people perceive me <laughs> when I get wacky. And that's why I think like it's a perfect scene to encapsulate how great Jim Carrey was in this movie. Second, but, seconded. I really have nothing else that I can add because it's it's it really is just a perfect moment. Yeah, but getting into our favorite, least favorite moments here. What are your favorite and least favorite moments from the Truman Show? Only have one least favorite moment, and that's when Truman is getting on the boat because the stupid ticket guy is poking his head out, and that's suspicious as crap. Come on, dude. And I think there's even a window. I can't remember right now, but there's even a window where he could have just been looking from there. But it's like he has a stupid head pointed out. It's like, I don't care if that was supposed to be in the script or not. It's it's not. It's weird. All right. Uh, I think we already talked about our final thoughts. Movie's a banger. Yeah, I did want to say that my favorite moment was when uh, Truman goes over the bridge and they're... And they put down like the peep the uh, people for a power leak at the power plant. It's like that's it was like it's just, just a like, certified Jim Carrey. It's like a certified Jim Carrey moment. I love it, but also it leads into the scene where the wife is trying, where um, uh, Meryl is trying to just uh cheer Truman up, but again she goes back into her routine of just the adverti- advertising okay. products. That's one of my favorite moments too, because it's finally Truman going, Who the hell are you talking to? 
The way he delivers that line is fucking perfect. So what are you doing? Who are you talking to? And he just sort of looks looks behind him. And it's like he can't see the camera, but it's there. Yeah. I, I He's love not that. even mad in that scene. That's what like the delivery was like, I'm not even mad. Like I'm concerned. what are you doing? Why are you talking like this? What is going on? Yeah. You always do that. Uh, oh man. But yeah, this this movie's a banger. You and I have covered two bangers in a row here. Yeah. I for you three with Last Airbender. Oh Thankfully, yeah. Thankfully you weren't on for the Dune nineteen eighty four episode. Uh but can't wait for next week and hopefully that trend continues with I think we're gonna be covering Blade Runner next. Uh that would be a good one. Hopefully we all enjoy Blade Runner. I think you and Tristan have seen it, so Yeah. But I don't know your opinion on it. And I've never seen it, so that's oh, going to be Oh, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Okay. Let's get out of here, though, Drew. What you working on, and where can the people find you? Currently, you can find me on my socials, Drew Garrison underscore. I am, cur- I am actually posting a bit more, thank God. So hopefully, hopefully, it's a continuous trend. As for me, you could find me in our Discord, link for which is in the description of this episode. Also, consider leaving us a rating. It would be tremendous if it was a positive one. Next week on Earthstop Movies, as I already talked about, we are going to be covering Blade Runner. Should be a really fun episode. Uh... If you want to hear more from TNS Network, we have Power Up and Game, a gaming news podcast hosted by Michael Mosley and myself, where we go over some of the latest in the world of gaming. We also have Longbox Hunters, a comic book podcast hosted by Drew here and Tristan Benz, and that comes out once a month, at the end of the, every month actually, to be more specific. Drew, you guys are about to start recording again on Longbox Hunters, aren't you? Yes, we are, and we have some special treats coming up for you because we have planned a few episodes of what we're going to do. So Ooh. you know, check us out. Check us out via maze. I'm glad you guys are getting back in the swing of recording them because I didn't want to say it. I was like, you know, we're about to be out of episodes. That are we had a l- last time we had too much bad backlog. That's why yeah, we, we did. But it really, yeah, and it really ramped up there because I got <laughs> some episodes out. So I was like, you know what? We're about to be out. <laughs> I don't want to tell them that we're out uh, because we're not there yet, but it's a, it might become a problem. <laughs> but I want to thank Drew for joining me. I want to thank anyone for listening in, and we will see you next week on a brand new episode of Nerds Talk Movies. Or, in case we don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.